placed accountably. So good evening everyone. Good evening everyone on screen. Um, to give this talk a name, um, the practice of Zen in a toxic culture. Um, but before I go into it, I was reflecting that um, there's often experiences that I have during the week that somehow unconsciously see the, the talk I'm going to give and um, identified what they were. One is that um, I seem to be seeing a lot of um, uh, sickness around me, like serious illness, of, not just with my wife Diana just going to hospital recently, but um, other family members and um, friends and clients. It just seems to, to be surrounded with it at the moment. Maybe it's a reflection of my age, you know. People who are as old as I am are starting to wear out a bit. Um, but it, it seems to be there in, in my life a lot. And um, so one of the three messengers, you know, old age, sickness and death. And uh, I also saw a documentary on TV last week. I don't know whether anyone else saw it, but it was um, on the SBS of a, a young woman a journalist who goes into a, um, a, a, a monastic setting, setting with Anglican nuns in the UK. And um, it's a sort of interface between this young worldly woman who's very quite frank and open, you know, and, um, and this community of nuns and just how simple their life was and uncomplicated and how they were genuinely living the life, the Christian life, like very kind, sincere, uncomplicated, you know, um, women. And the and and the other the other um, seed um, was um, when I was visiting Dinah in hospital last night. There was this um, wonderful doctor came in. Um, it was like a breath of fresh air. She like she was very knowledgeable, to, but, you know, as a person, very kind and warm. Anyway, uh, there was one thing she said that stuck, it really stuck in my mind. She was giving us some research background. She said they've done a lot of research in um, Papua New Guinea amongst the indigenous tribes there that are not particularly influenced by Western culture, and that they have no high blood pressure in the, in the population, like zero, just doesn't yeah. occur. Uh-huh. Um, and, and when they start to be introduced to a Western diet, well, their blood pressure goes up. You know? And um, that's, a, that's a toxicity that our culture has imposed on other you know, simpler forms of culture and indigenous cultures throughout the world. You know, the, the addiction to things like sugar, you know, refined food. Um, and we, we've generated a lot of destruction through that. So um, the thing is, uh, uh, there's always been greed and hatred and ignorance in in the world. Um, And I remember lines from um, the Shodoka, which is a well-known Zen poem that we used to recite in the Sydney Zen Centre all the time. The practice of Zen in this greedy world this is the power of wise vision. 
The lotus exists in the midst of the fire. It's never destroyed. How do we practice then in a world that's driven by greed and hatred and ignorance, which is toxic, you know, it's kind of a, a toxic culture. It's always existed, um, but um, in the world we live in today, it seems to be really turbocharged by technology, um, you know, the way technology destroys the environment, wildlife, climate change, um, the toxicity of social media, um, the toxicity of um, if people aren't intoxicated with drugs, they're often intoxicated with doctrines, political doctrines, nationalistic doctrines, religious doctrines. They're all they're all a form of toxicity, and it like it's always existed, but it seems as though it's much more extreme um, as we're going on. And the question is, how do we how do we practice in the midst of that? I suppose. Um, we are creatures of our culture and we need to acknowledge that it does have an influence on us to some degree. We're probably not immune to it, so we probably have to first of all acknowledge that we get caught up in the hype to some degree. But you probably wouldn't be here tonight or on screen, you know, and practicing Zen if you hadn't reflected on it, you know, and, and not want to get caught up in the hype. You know, just to see just everyone coming along tonight and sitting doing zazen and following your breath and looking at a wall, right? It's very different from what we're fed, you know, in terms of what advertising feeds us, in terms of what we require for a happy life. And part of the toxicity is that um, there's messages out there we're receiving in and out all day long that we need more. We need new stuff and we need more stuff and, and we're, we're fed on consumerism. And there's an enormous amount of toxicity in, in that kind of environment that feeds us. And so to, to practice then is to, I guess, to acknowledge that we're some, to some degree or another caught up in it. Um, we're probably not immune from it altogether. But there's enough self-awareness to realise that there's another way of, of being in the world. And while the, the mantra of economics and politics and everything is more and more and more and more and more, kind of the, the, the contra mantra of Zen is less and less and less. Uh -huh. Less and less and less until we have enough. You know? The word orioki, the word for our eating, eating ceremony, means just enough. When, when do we let go, let go, let go until we have just enough? Uh -huh. And it's probably, it's not for me to prescribe to people what they should be doing in their, in their life. You know, you, you use your own wisdom to do that. But probably a good question for all of us to be asking is what is enough? You know, I mean, how much more do we need? What is enough? And we're, not only can we be caught up in consumerism, um, it's like we're, we're caught up in busyness. Um, we're caught up in overstimulation, like too much entertainment, too much conversation, too much looking at screens, etc. And it's like we're we're filling our lives up with this kind of superficial culture and toxicity, 
when zaz just you know two hours of zazen shows us there's another way of being in the world um, which is simpler and to put it in a framework of of um, neuroscience one model of how the brain has evolved is that one at a very primitive level we have a, a survival mechanism you know our fight flight mechanisms are working well and you know, we, we um, listen to whether we're too cold or too hot or in danger and so we, we live out of that survival mechanism and then once we get out enough once we get out of just surviving we get into then building resources you know so that we have plenty of food around you know and and plenty of things that we can build on you know and 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 and, um, and come back to using for the future you know so we build up that sense of security around us through resources um, and then the third tier is really that that sense of um, enjoying life you know like just enjoying the wonder of being alive and looking up at the stars or walking through a forest or swimming in the sea and um, relationships with friends and family uh-huh. and playing music or dancing, all those kind of fun things, meditating, you know, which is all useless stuff, right? Um, but it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the play of life that we then experience. And the sad fact is most human beings don't get beyond survival or building resources. Um, there's only a small proportion of people who actually um, get beyond that just to have a lifestyle where they actually just appreciate the fact of being alive, the wonder of being alive and the play and the interrelatedness of everything it is. Because even often people who are, not all wealthy people, but often people who are wealthy just keep, they're consumed by building more and more wealth. Like they're, they're, they're addicted to it, so it could be more and more and more and more. And they don't know, they never learnt the, the skills of actually learning how to stop and just to enjoy what they have or enjoy life at all. Um, look at the, the holidays a lot of rich people have going to these fancy resorts where they're entertained out of their brain all day and overstimulated, you know, rather than having, you know, a rest from all of that. So to practice then is to get beyond survival and building resources to actually just experiencing the enjoyment of life for what it is. And it, and it requires just enough. And finally, the other attitude we need to bring to it, you know, when the world is in such a perilous state globally, you know, and um, and, and, and being surrounded, you know, very close to people who are quite ill or, you know, their lives are not travelling very well, is that then we can get caught up in hoping, hoping for a better future. Um, and, and then if the hope is not fulfilled and, we're, and then we get more and more news coming back that everything's still in a mess, then we, we jump from we jump from hope into cynicism or despair, you know, and then we get our hopes up again, you know, and then we go back down into cynicism or despair. 
And, and Zen practice is neither of those. It's neither to live in, in, in the idealism of hope or the hell of despair and cynicism. It's neither. There, there, is, there is another way other than those two opposites. And it's, to, it's simply to live a, a simple, straightforward life um, where in formal meditation, you realise it's just enough to be breathing and your heart's beating. That, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And in your everyday life, um, that your lifestyle is just enough. And that's all you need. That's all you need to reach that third tier. Um, as you get older, um, and when you see, including me, having heart surgery, but you see people around you getting older and an illness coming and so on, then it, it makes you much more sensitive to what the fragility of life is. You know, and, and the overall importance of um, the quality of life that we lead. It's not the quantity really that matters so much, it's the quality. How do we generate quality of life for ourselves? That's the question.